Dave Fanning on 2FM. Well, it's the penultimate day of World Cup 22 and Croatia and Morocco are going to shortly take part in the third place playoff in the Khalifa International Stadium. And tomorrow, of course, Argentina takes on current holders, France, for the greatest prize in football. Well, maybe not in club football, but in world football. Anyway, joining us now from the heart of the action in Qatar is Gavin Cooney from the 42.ie. Gavin, are you excited to watch the saddest match in football? Do you find it all a bit... (laughs) I mean, like, do the players even want to play it? Nope. Uh, it was after Croatia lost to Argentina in the semi-finals, and uh, the manager pretty much said, "And the, the worst thing about this defeat now is the fact that we have to hang around for another few days and play this terrible consolation game." Yeah, I mean it is kind of true. I mean, very few people remember who came third or fourth in previous ones or care. Frankly, I mean you've lost is the point, even though you've done brilliantly. Be allowed to be go home anyway. I'll I'll watch it. Will you watch it? Uh, can I? I'm going to make an awful admission on air. I'm getting picky now. I'm not yeah. going to it. I've yeah. gone to. I'm going to the final, and it'll be my 26th game of this World Cup. But I looked at the third place playoff and thought, hmm, maybe I'm above that. Yeah, but clearly I'm, I'm not. No, actually, the fact Gavin, that I've done that. I mean, the fact that you're going to go to it. I mean, it's very easy to go to any one of these things. No World Cup has ever been as close to like each ground. Mm. Oh yeah, no. I mean, there. Uh, I think the the biggest distance between two stadiums was forty one kilometers, which I think is add another five k to the dart line, and that's the separation between the two furthest stadiums here. So uh, that is certainly one of its more unique aspects. It allowed us journalists uh, to go to two matches a day during the group stage, which uh, I did avail of. I, I wasn't so cynical and tired back then uh, to the point where I'm now skipping a game on Saturday uh, later on today for the uh, the third place playoff. But yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it was fairly hectic OK I'm well then you. here's the big overall question you're in Qatar you've been for the duration how different was this Winter World Cup? Mm. So I mean I've never done a World Cup uh, before uh, and it was, it was again it was pretty warm here like uh, yeah. uh, this again this will be of no consolation to your listeners it's a chilly 23 degrees here at the moment you know, <laughs> so it has cooled off Cooled off, cooled off a little bit. I think, you know, the football has actually been very good, I think, um, notwithstanding all of the issues surrounding the hosting of the tournament here in the first place. But the football has been very good. And I think one of the primary reasons for that is because it's been in the wintertime. You know, the players are not as tired as they are at the end of a long club season. They're fresher. I think there wasn't enough build-up time for the team. So that's why I thought, I think that's why you saw a couple of big upsets in the group stages, particularly in the first round of matches. Um, but I think some teams are really benefiting from not being as tired. And probably the most obvious example is uh, is the Prince himself, Lionel Messi at 35, is rolling back the years here. It's his best ever performance at a World Cup. Uh, he's never put in performances for Argentina like he's put in out here in Qatar. And that's partly the reason because he's targeted this as the main part of his season. Uh, and he's uh, he's coming in with a lighter workload. Oh, like things like disruption to the Premier League, you know, is it a small price to pay? Do you think? Is it a small price to pay? Well, I won't weep for the Premier League's uh, disruption. I have to say. I mean, it, I can tell you that this won't be the last World Cup uh, move to the winter um, because, uh, well, to make a very blunt point, the planet is heating up mm. partly down to the hydrocarbons that are being taken out of the ground here in Qatar. So this won't be the last time. But I do think that. 
there's just not been enough time dedicated to the World Cup. Like one of the disappointing aspects of it was the build-up. I have to say, like I mean, part of the, a lot of the fun of a World Cup for me anyway is the build-up. You know, you get excited, you get the wall charts out, you get the you know, get all the magazines and the newspaper supplements, and you start trading cliches with friends. Like yeah. you know, who's your dark horses, and never write off the Germans and all that stuff. And didn't really get a chance to do that because the Premier League ended on Sunday, and then this kicked off a week later. So um, if they are, and like the FIFA president Gianni Infantino yesterday was hey the effects of having this in the winter it's not the worst it's not the worst idea in the world I have to say but if it is repeated I just hope that they end the club season two three weeks earlier and just give us give us a proper lead in give us a little bit yeah. of a break for the football to whet the appetite and for, of course, for the World Cup the Premier Leagues of all countries in Europe starts very soon and I think the one just across the water starts tomorrow um, well, Monday week or something on, 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 on oh, St Stephen's yeah. Day or something anyway let's just take oh, a look at all of this yeah. because one of the biggest things of all was Three or four weeks ago, with with the Netflix documentary and all the rest of it, etc., people were saying this place should never have got the World Cup. They've been saying it for years, but did nothing about it. We've known since 2010 that it was going to happen. Um, I know the football has been great, but there's no reason to turn around and say, God, isn't Qatar great? Because Qatar is still a country that really needs to get into the 21st century and thinks it's in it and isn't. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with you. You know, the phrase that's used for all of this is sports washing. You know, yeah. when people, when the when the cheering around the football stops, no one um, no one can hear the lone voice in the wilderness uh, screaming and shouting about these obscenities, but uh, and outrages in which this World Cup is built. But I, I don't think that has it been for gotten about I don't think it has been forgotten about amid the football definitely the football took over to some extent but there's still been critical voices throughout the tournament most notably I have to say Roy Keane I think Keane distinguished himself in the early days on ITV when he stated very bluntly uh, that the World Cup should not be here because you cannot treat people in this way so uh, I know the FIFA president Gianni Infantino began the World Cup by saying that the Western media had no authority to lecture um, uh, to lecture the morals of Qatar he said that Qatar, that the, that Europe should be apologising for three thousand years of history, which is just, I mean, take a step back from that, and you see for the nonsense that it is. You know, the idea that um, the Western media can't criticise outrages in Qatar because of the Peloponnesian War is just complete rubbish. You know, and I, I found it quite clarifying that Infantino would come out with something like that. So, you know, Qatar's bet was that the world, that the sport would take over, and everyone would forget about everything in the background. I don't know if that's happened, to be honest. There has been a few instances of, of quite dispiriting instances of, of journalists and television presenters take to their social media or take to the, the airwaves to say what a great idea this World Cup is because look look how well the metro works and everywhere is air-conditioned <laughs> and I can see two matches a day. Yeah. But like, come on, lads. Like, that's not the real Qatar. You know, the real Qatar is hidden from us. You know, they're not going to show... Uh, they're not going to show this place warts and all. Um, it's a very... It's a... Like, I mean, the World Cup should never have been here and I don't think the quality of the football spectacle um, may, uh, changes anyone's mind on that fact. Yeah, I mean, like, the football with all World Cups is always fantastic. That's why Qatar wanted it, for God's sake. But, that, but that's yeah. the football. I mean, it should never have been in Qatar. And that's what we were saying four weeks ago and we should continue to say it. This is a very strange country where homosexuality is illegal and enshrined in law that it is illegal. Mm. I'll tell you, here's one of the things. I'll just start you off here with... Uh, what do you call him? Gary Lineker was talking this mm. year at the very beginning, isn't it? It's the most controversial World Cup in history and a ball hasn't even been kicked. Ever since FIFA chose Qatar back in 2010, the smallest nation to have hosted football's greatest competition has faced some big questions. From accusations of corruption in the bidding process to the treatment of migrant workers who built the stadiums where many lost their lives. 
Homosexuality is illegal here. Women's rights and freedom of expression are in the spotlight. Also, the decision six years ago to switch the World Cup from summer to winter. Against that backdrop, there's a tournament to be played. Right, and you're saying that that'll probably happen again, no question about it. But it's like, I mean, the, the Olympic Village was built uh, 10 years ago in London, not one death. They say 6,500 possibly this time. It is astonishing that these people mm. can get away with it. But as you mentioned Infantino, I mean, we had Sepp Blatter, he was bad enough. I knew this guy would be nearly as bad. Never knew he'd be this stupid. Here goes. Today I feel uh, Qatari. Today I feel Arab. Today I feel African. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel disabled. Today I feel uh, a migrant worker. Today I feel a wad of money in my back pocket. I mean, that's never going to go away. It's just nonsense. It's absolutely dreadful, dreadful. Carry on. Let's just go to other yeah. stuff too. What about the fans? Did it deliver for them? Uh, did it deliver for the fans? Well, which fans are you talking about? Because part, I mean, one of the stories in this World Cup are the air-conditioned stadiums, you know? Like, this is one of the more laughable claims of this World Cup is that it's a carbon net zero event. Um, so, like, journalists, when we go to the stadiums, are told, oh, there's no printed team sheets today here, folks, because this is a net zero event. But don't forget to bring a jumper because we're literally air-conditioning the sky here in the desert. Um, but as for supporters, you know, it was... Um, I don't think it really did, to be honest, Dave, because it was uh, it's it's a difficult place to get to for a lot of fans. It's extremely expensive to stay here because it's so uh, because it's so small and that spiraled the prices. So a lot of fans stayed in these kind of prisoner of war tent style accommodation out in the desert. Uh, so European fans travelled in very small numbers. Now, look, it's great in one way to host the World Cup in an Arab country uh, and in this part yeah. of the world because we saw huge travelling fans from Saudi Arabia and then Iran and then most notably Morocco, who were absolutely... Their football team ran, ran, will obviously compete later on in the third place game, having run to the semi-finals. Their fans created the atmosphere, you know. They were just, I've never, I've, I went to a few of their games. The intensity of the occasion is something I've never really experienced yeah. before. But <laughs> it, the World Cup really did miss that kind of sense of public space and that sense of kind of spontaneity. Like a lot of fans actually stayed outside of Qatar, stayed in like Dubai and elsewhere and flew in on match day. So you know, there was never that, you never got that sense of this huge mass of humanity kind of heaving around this big event, which I think is part of the magic of, Do you know, of the World that Cup. sort of stuff even comes through on television with previous World Cups and I couldn't agree more. Is there something or am I making this up that like when I'm looking at the crowd and the empty seats, not even that part of it, there's something about the antiseptic nature of, like I don't care if there was, you know, 10 Senegal guys there all dressed in the colours and everybody else and people crying and babies and others. There's something about the atmosphere and about the grounds or is that just me? That was that was me. You know, it's not you. It's there's two parts to it. One is that people are either very late to get their seats, or there's something else going on because it's happened for many, even very yeah. high-profile games, that the teams have walked out. You know, a third of the seats empty. Now they seem to fill up a few minutes into the into the game, whatever's going on there. But the other issue is FIFA's kind of controlling of the occasion. I mean, the inanity. Like I've actually never seen anything like it. The, the inanity of the pre-game hype and everything that goes into it is just mind-numbing. I've ne- like there's been like Moroccan fans have created a great atmosphere, Argentina fans as, as well, but they're just doused in the PA system. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I, like one of the great things that FIFA says is just it's great to have this uh, World Cup in an Arab world, in the Arab world, but the matches could be taking place absolutely anywhere because they douse all the atmosphere in really loud music that you'd hear in any European football ground, like Seven Nation Army 
autonomy and freed from desire. Um, and um, there's there's another one that I, honestly I can't uh, that I can't that I can't remember at the moment. But and then there's all this scripted nonsense like oh god there's there's a hype guy that goes into the crowd and and, and screams into the microphone as to we're having so much fun and you can see he's dead behind the eyes he's not having any fun at all but he's paid and he has to say this uh, and the only chance we get for a bit of atmosphere and a bit of improvisation is in the 90 minutes of the match. Yeah, and you just wonder if a lot of the football has been taken away from what I would call real football fans. Anyway, let's take a look. I mean, they did put on a good show in one way and it looked good for television, which is probably the most important thing. Did did they succeed in this sports washing thing? Or has the World Cup actually put a spotlight on their human rights issues for the world? I mean, what they wanted to do was be accepted in the world and be part of the world. And now we're 22 years into this century. Let's do it. And we're going to have the World Cup. We'll show you we can do all this, etc., etc. And basically they wanted a World Cup for the ages. And basically they gave us a World Cup for the Middle Ages because they've just all they've done is they've highlighted the fact that they're a weird country. Oh God! I wish I, I wish I thought of that line. Uh, if that line appears in the forty-two over the next day or two, watch days, it. I'll get, I'll watch fully, it. It's I'll mine. Fully credit you. <laughs> um, sorry, what was the question again? I, I was lost in what you're at your side. I love it. You're so again. taken in with the line. Uh, well, what was the question? I can't. Oh yeah, did they succeed in doing anything? I mean, ah yeah. They... Sorry, yeah. Like, like I mean. You know, sports washing, the idea is this, that they would improve their image through the vehicle of sports. Now, none, you and I and none of your listeners would think better of Qatar, having learned what has happened there as regards their um, their criminalization of homosexuality and the appalling treatment of migrant workers. But, and I, I'm afraid to break it to your listeners, Qatar really don't care what you and I or yes, your listeners think. this is the point. This, yeah. is about, this, is, this is about power. And it's also about vulnerability. So Qatar is a tiny country, but it's sitting on... Uh, it's sitting on a gold mine, like I mean, in yeah. terms of its natural gas reserves, and they're even more valuable in the wake of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But it's also vulnerable because it's a tiny place and it's surrounded by far stronger neighbours in the sense of Iran and Saudi Arabia. So one of the ways in which they kind of protect themselves in a geopolitical sense from, you know, basic invasion uh, is by uh, fixing the idea in everyone's minds across the world that Qatar is its own independent nation, an inviolable nation state. So before they bid for the World Cup, if you track down a person on the street in Dublin and asked, uh, what's your opinion on Qatar? There is a chance that they would turn around and tell you, what's a Qatar? What does that do? But now, because they hosted the World Cup and they've hosted other major sports events and they may yet host the Olympics in 2036, there's not a person on earth who doesn't know what Qatar is, regardless if you think good or ill of them. And then you've got, you know, you've got major political dignitaries from all over the world flying in for the opening game. There's going to be a U.S. delegation, U.S. government delegation here for the final. I mean, this is, you know, this is the place to be at the moment if you're, you know, in a geopolitical sense or in a kind of a heavyweight political sense. It's It's like a much larger... Bigger scale version of the Fenival yeah. tent the Golden Race. <laughs> but like when the Emir was given out about say Germany disrespecting and you know putting their hands over their mouths and all the rest, and then Germany kicked out and they were laughing at all of that and saying, you know, you really should be respectful of all our traditions and that. You shouldn't be respectful of it. Like you're not a tourist. You have to go mm. if you're a footballer to where the World Cup is. If the World Cup is on Mars, you gotta to go to Mars. Why should you have to say, Oh yeah, the rules are great, homosexuals, yeah, put them in jail. I mean it's just nonsense. They're actually thinking mm. this is what we should be thinking, and it's insane. Insane. 
respect the culture is it's like, okay, we're not going to serve beer at the stadiums. That's a cultural thing. No big issue there. But, you know, the criminalization of homosexuality is not a cultural issue. That's an issue of human rights, that you're not allowing someone to be themselves. Exactly, but hold on. There right. is a culture thing, too. A lot of people say, look, I like my football and I like a beer. And these guys would say, you can't have a beer. I mean, like, you can't. Well, anyway, okay. I could mm. go on all day about all this. Every, from right across the board, I think it's insane. Anyway, point is, was the football great? Yeah, it's always great. Some of the weird bits, of course, have been who lost and who didn't lose. And, like, I mean, Brazil lost a match, which is pretty unusual. Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia in the first one France lost to Tunisia and I know that these were third games sometimes well actually the, the, the Argentina was the first one and therefore you don't care as much if you have your six points and all the rest but Argentina and France that's all that's left who's going to win? Uh, now all of literally all of my predictions have been wrong so far so don't put any stock well, in Well just this. give us your prediction I'll just uh, do it the other way around I'll <laughs> Argentina partly just I just want Argentina to win I will admit that it's been fantastic to watch Lionel Messi at this tournament what a story it would be if he went on to win the only crown, crown that has eluded him at his very last shot at winning it so All I'll right. try and will it into existence and I'll say Argentina Okay so win. who's going to win the golden boot? Golden boot it's between Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe I think uh, so given I've tipped Argentina to win it I'll, I'll give Messi that little prize okay, by well. the way there's another one too which I'd forgotten about there's the golden gloves is there will Bono win the golden gloves three penalty saves <laughs> uh, he should I think it might actually go down to the number of clean sheets kept uh, oh. by which uh, metric Bono would win yeah, yeah completely yeah, he's yeah. been brilliant at this tournament you yeah, know yeah. Um, so yeah no yeah, okay what was your best match Oh God, I've been I've been to so many. It's all blurring into one. Argentina, the Netherlands in the quarterfinal, just truly some of the maddest. That was, things if I've I remember rightly, three two, wasn't it? That was the famous second goal by by Holland. Yeah. yeah. So it was Argentina two 0 up, and it was actually two uh, two, yeah. and went to extra time yeah. penalties. Argentina cruising, and then you know Vaut Veghorst, all six foot six of the man, the largest man in Qatar, yeah. Yeah. Um, and with with a deft little touch to equalise. So I'd probably pick that. It was just one of the most absurd nights of drama I've ever seen on a football pitch. And have you had a good time, Gavin? I, look, I have, to be honest. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> eager enough to come home now. I feel like, like I've been here for four years. But, yeah, well, watch it. Um, the, the weather but, here is not like it is there, I can tell you. It's a very low but, uh, 23 there. It's a very low minus 23 here. Anyway, listen, but, uh, Gavin, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, Thanks a million. Enjoy today's match, even if you don't watch it, and enjoy tomorrow's, which I know you'll be at. It should be a really yeah. exciting thing, because it is France and Argentina, the biggest in Europe against the biggest in South America. All right, Gavin, take it easy. That is Gavin Cooney from the 42.ie. See you, Gavin. Good luck. Cheers, Dave. Dave Fanning on 2FM.